0: To express oneself honestly, not lying to oneself, and to express myself honestly. Not that, my friend, is very hard to do, and you have to train. You have to keep your reflexes so that when you want it, it's there. The expression of the human body. I mean, the f- everything. I mean, you know, not just the hand. And when you're talking about combat, well, I mean, if, if, it, if it is a sport, now, now you're talking about something else. You have regulations, you have rules. But when you're talking about fighting as it is, with no no rules, well then, baby, you better train every part of your body.
1: I'm not surprised, mother... I'm not impressed by your performance. What's up? you
2: at, George? I like big card McCartney pulling me about folks. That's how I like to roll. You feel me? Nobody going to take these presents. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm proud of the
3: fight for to you.
2: Don't bring the dog out of me.
3: I'm the man of the hour, Joe. Too sweet to be sour. What you see is what you get, and what
1: you don't is better yet. I fight for the balance. I wanted to keep fighting as long as it took, and I wanted to win this title. Thank you, everybody, for coming out. I get it! I don't have much left to say other than you have seen nothing yet.
0: (laughs) Running water never grows stale, so you got to just keep on flowing.
4: Welcome back, Penn Nation, to yet another edition of BJPenn.com Radio. As always, guys, I'm your host, Kinch. Each and every Wednesday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. We've got a great show for you guys each and every week. This week is no different. We are the fighter's voice, the voice of the fans, BJ com Radio. Lots of news to get into. Almost overwhelming amount of news to get into. But as I said, great guest tonight. I worded it this way in the... Uh, Episode description. But tonight we've got a trio of future contenders. And quite frankly, that is the truth. Coming up first, first interview of tonight. As I've said, guys, in previous weeks, we've transitioned to uh, pre recorded interviews. So we don't have to mess around with time frames or anything like that. As soon as I get done with the news, we'll be jumping into this first interview with Volkan Ozdemir. I know some of you. Might not be familiar with Volcom, but Swiss fighter, training in the States now, was called on two weeks notice to fight OSP back in February, and he won, and catapulted himself from an unknown in the division to the number five ranked guy at light heavyweight. He's got a fight coming up with another gentleman who's been on the show. Misha Serkinov, that's going down in Stockholm, Sweden. UFC Fight Night 109, that'll be headlined by uh, Alexander Gustafsson against Glover Teixeira. Really interesting story with Volkan. Again, a meteoric rise like that. It's a lot for a guy to deal with. But he's a smooth cat. Didn't have the opportunity to speak with him prior to this. It was a great interview. I think you guys will enjoy it. Obviously, we break down the upcoming fight with Misha. What this uh, rise to fame and, and, and contender status so quickly has been like for, for Volkan. And, of course, what the future holds for him. Second guest? Probably around 840. Don't quote me, though. Again, we're not con- constrained to times anymore here. Probably one of the biggest winners over the weekend. I mean, there was a lot of big winners over the weekend. But one of the more impressive finishes from UFC 211 in Dallas, the tech executioner, James Vick. Got the first round KO victory, TKO victory. Or was it KO? Against uh, Marco Polo Race, Rays. Marco is a... really established boxer had a lot of boxing credentials coming into this fight. We all know James Vick for being talented in all areas of the game. Very good submissions, great striking as well. But man, he completely disregarded the striking, striking credentials of Marco put him away in the first great counter striking. And for a guy his height in the lightweight division, he's a handful for anybody at 155. So we recap, we uh, recap the win. Talk about what it was like to uh, get a performance like that in front of the hometown crowd. And obviously, we discuss what's next for him moving forward. You know, sky's the limit for James. In my personal opinion. Very marketable guy, well-spoken, and has that kind of personality that, that, that just comes off as very genuine. Used his time on the microphone post-fight very wisely. We discussed that in depth. Calls out Michael Chiesa or Kevin Lee. Says if uh, either one of those guys is injured, he would he's going to stay ready and hopefully replace one of them should there be an injury. Again, with that length, all of his abilities, young guy, probably be fighting for the title within the next calendar year. I'm talking about 2018, of course. Closing out tonight's show, the third of our trio, Welterweight division, one of the hottest up-and-coming contenders. Great promoter. And great skills in the cage as well. Of course, I'm talking about Colby Covington. He'll be closing out tonight's show. We're going to discuss the uh, upcoming bout in Singapore with uh, Dong Hyung Kim. we had had Colby on a few weeks ago. And this was, unfortunately, you know, we had him on the show. I think it was like two days later, the, the fight with uh, Hyum King Kim. Hyum King ha- Hyun. Oh, my goodness. The fight with Kim gets announced. <laughs> um, he'd been campaigning for that fight. And he got it. So it's going down in Singapore. June 17th. Should be a great fight. And the not the perfect matchup, but a matchup that, again, he was campaigning for. He'd like to break into, whether it be top 15, top 10. Uh, Kim is ranked 7th seven, in the welterweight division. So obviously, big opportunity for Colby. We preview the fight. You know, break down the matchup stylistically a bit. Talk about what the future has in store for him as well. And we talk a bit about his good friend and teammate. And again, good friend of BJPenn.com, Jorge Masvidal, uh, and how the fight played out with Damian Maya over the weekend. So before we get into some news, if you guys want to know the latest and greatest, the breaking, exclusive hot button issues, bjpenn.com forward slash MMA news. We've got you covered. We're the largest independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. I say it every week guys, but it's something we're proud of. And as we continue to grow and expand, we appreciate all the love and support. Like I said, if it's newsworthy, bjpenn.com forward slash MMA news is going to have it in depth for you guys to check out and stay up on the sport you love of mixed martial arts. Crazy amount of news. I mean, okay, let's just get into it. As you guys know, UFC 211 went down over the weekend in Dallas. Big fights, incredible card, had a little bit of everything. Of course, in the main event, the champ, Stipe Miocic, Retains his title, avenges a loss over GDS. Gets the KO in the first round. Really impressive performance by Stipe. He's been a great champion so far, and I think he will continue to be. I mean, if you watch the Embedded series, the guy's super cool. It's like the – I mean, I don't want to say the people's champ, but he's – you know, the working man's champ, the, the, the common everyday guy. I'm not sure what his numbers are reflecting as far as his popularity, but I would hope that they're good. And if not, that they're growing because again, guy's really likable. Uh, junior Dos Santos, very gracious in defeat, very classy. Said that he was happy that, you know, pays the champ and, um, you know, really commended Stipe. So that that was cool to see. on Jcheck defends her title against a very game opponent, and Jessica Andrade, you know, we weren't sure how this one was going to play out. But Jessica pressed forward, swung for the fences. Little female Vanderlei, she left uh, Ioanna bumped, bruised. I mean, if, if you guys saw the pictures post-fight, I mean, Ioanna was pretty banged up. But the timing, the speed... The level of striking that is pretty much unmatched in that division afforded Joanna the victory. I believe her next title fight, she will have the opportunity to tie Ronda's record of title defenses for a female in the UFC. And the way she's been looking... I mean, there's a reason they're calling her Joanna Champion. I mean, at this point, she could probably legally change her name, and it wouldn't wouldn't screw her over. I mean, uh, she's tore through the majority of the contenders so far. There's only really a few left that she hasn't faced. And on a side note, speaking of this, was it this past weekend in Dallas? I believe it was. Yeah, it definitely was. <laughs> the, the camera was on Holly Holm. Uh, motorcycles. The camera was on Holly Holm. I can't remember who the third fighter was, but then Rose Namajunas is sitting there, expressionless, like stone cold stare of death into that camera. Kind of, kind of creepy. Also very funny. I mean, what the MMA community did with that image afterwards is awesome. So, uh, just a side note there. Our good friend, as I said, Jorge Masvidal falls short on the uh, judge's scorecards against Maya. Jorge seemed to have him hurt a couple times on the feet there, defended against the incredibly high level of grappling of Maya. Uh, In my opinion, Jorge's stock goes up, you know, in my book, uh, without question. And Maya has undoubtedly earned that title shot. So obviously that's going to be on the horizon a matchup between the uh, champ, Tyron Woodley, and Damian Maya. As all of that continues to progress and unfold, BJPenn.com forward slash MMA news will have you covered on all the latest and greatest. Frankie Edgar, absolutely dominated Yair, Yair Rodriguez, uh, pummeling Yair on the ground, which uh, led to the eventual doctor stoppage. Yair's I was swelled up like a balloon. I mean, I'm trying to think of a hematoma that we've seen like that in recent years. The only one that would come to mind to me would be like Mark Hominick uh, or maybe uh, Marcus Davis uh, when he fought Nate Diaz. Uh, But nonetheless, tough fight for Yair. But if we know anything about these guys, typically when you have your first loss in the big promotion, You learn a lot, and I have no doubt that he'll come back even better. Uh, But as far as Frankie Edgar goes, now he's in a kind of a tricky situation. He's always been a contender in whatever division he's been in, whether it be lightweight or featherweight. But now with the fight of interim champ Max Holloway and the champion Jose Aldo, that fight looming... You know, Frankie's already fought Aldo twice. Been really tough for guys to get a third fight with the champion that they've already lost twice to. But if Holloway gets it done, that's a great matchup. And not to say that Frankie against uh, Aldo again wouldn't be a great matchup. It's just we haven't seen that happen too many times in this sport. You know, if, if, if you lose twice to a champ, it's very difficult to get that third shot. But that being said, I mean, who, who the hell else deserves it more than Frankie Edgar? So we'll see how that all plays out. You know, Frankie is probably never going to go away. <laughs> so, and I, and I don't say that, uh, you know, to be a dick at all. I'm just saying like, if you're Jose Aldo, you're like, Jesus, man, like that, how many times am I going to have to fight this guy? But, again, depending on what happens between Aldo and Holloway, that might be easier to, uh, to book that fight than, than it would be. So, again, we've had a little bit of everything so far, a little grappling, a little bit of knockouts, some ground and pound. What would a UFC event be without huge controversy? Dustin Poirier versus Eddie Alvarez. This is another instance of confusion amongst athletes and commissions regarding this downed opponent thing. I mean, this really needs to get figured out once and for all. Um, Not cool. Another situation. I mean, this needs to be addressed across the board with all commissions across the planet, in my opinion. However, you know, based on what I've come to understand about downed opponents, uh, the knee looked pretty illegal to me. You know, the, the first one, debatable. Probably not, but the second one that did the most damage—I mean, it looked like uh, looked like Dustin's knee was on the ground, in my opinion. I could be wrong, but looked pretty illegal. Now Poirier saying he's uncertain of a rematch uh, at this time, and as he has a concussion, which really sucks. Um, but hopefully he gets healthy soon. We can see uh, Poirier versus Alvarez part two, and hopefully. There's no illegal blows landed and no controversy uh, for that fight. Summer kickoff press conference. That was full of drama. Trash talk, awkward moments. Uh, DC and Jones almost got into a fight in the back before they even came on stage. DC threw a water bottle at him. Of course, they traded plenty of barbs back and forth. DC making fun of his drug use. (laughs) But The line that took the cake for me was uh, sandblasting hookers. (laughs) <laughs> what does that even mean uh, but nonetheless as we, as we always knew there was going to be a lot of hype behind this fight the guys hate each other it's always entertaining to see real animosity between two guys so we can all rest assured that the promotion for this fight is going to be awesome Michael Chiesa, Kevin Lee get into a scuffle Lee hits him with a right hand on stage Kiesa, I'm not sure if he, if Kevin Lee really, I don't think Kevin Lee really was insulting Michael Kiesa's mother. He just said something about, you know, your family's going to be in attendance and I'm going to beat you. Kiesa stood up. Don't talk about my mom. Went back and forth. And of course some chaos breaks out. However, in Kiesa's defense, I mean, good old Kinch is a, I'm a real laid back guy. Takes a lot to get me angry. Um, you know, I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not one to jump into an altercation by any means. Um, I'd rather diffuse those kind of situations, you know? Not hot-headed, never have been. However, talk about my mother, and you mean it, we got problems. So in his defense, I can understand that. The champion, Amanda Nunes, and Valentina Shevchenko have some pretty awkward exchanges, Um something lost in translation between two women who both speak different languages who have English as their second language I don't know but this you've heard me talk about it on the show many times this kind of goes back to the whole everybody wanted to be Conor McGregor with the trash talk um, I think at some point we're all going to get pretty sick of this and then wish it goes back to the days of like I said I like I always say the Bushido code respectful we're martial artists, so on. But if Connor showed us anything, except being great on the mic and being great with trash talk gets you what you want in this world or in this sport rather. So Needless to say, Valentina and Amanda do not like each other. That's gonna be a great fight as well. But one of the uh, one of the more refreshing things from that press conference Chris Weidman and Kelvin Gastelum. Both cool as cucumbers. Everybody's face off was really intense. Amanda Nunes uh, gave Valentina a little fist push in the face when they were facing off. They wouldn't even let Jones and D.C. get close to each other. Weidman and Gastelum, smile, hugs, shake hands. That's going to be a good fight. (coughs) Excuse me. Between two Incredible athletes and uh, looking forward to that one. So again, that was just all from this weekend with UFC Dallas. The press conference went down in Dallas. Was a lot of news to get into there. But aside from that, everything else that's important in this world of mixed martial arts that you guys need to know about, it's all on bjpenn.com forward slash MMA news. Just a couple things to touch on here. Luke Rockhold and Dana White, they're really getting into it on social media. Uh, Cyborg has come out and publicly defended Rockhold and uh, questions Dana White's you know, recent decisions to, to make some of these fights. Mike Perry calls out Matt Brown, Tiago Silva, and others. Tiago Silva responds. You can check that out again at bjpenn.com forward slash MMA news. And in what can only be described as a drama-filled, controversial, controversial and bizarro situation, to say the least... Bisping now says he's unable to fight UL Romero and would rather wait out for GSP says his knee is not, uh, not up to par yet. And he is not able to train properly. Oh my God, it's craziness. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even want to touch this one anymore. So nonetheless, as, as this all plays out with Bisping, GSP and UL rock hole, Dana White, things are getting pretty hairy. And uh, you can bet your butt, BJPenn.com will have all of it for you. So I've wasted enough time talking about news, guys. Let's get right into it here. As I said, first guest, Volkan Ozdemir, cool cat. First time speaking with him. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. We'll jump right into it. Followed by Volkan will be James Vick, followed by James Vick to close out the show, Colby Covington. BJPenn.com radio, I'm your boy Kinch. Let's jump right into it. All right, Penn Nation. We are now joined by one of the gentlemen featured at UFC Fight Night 109 in Stockholm, Sweden, number five light heavyweight in the world. Of course, I'm talking about none other than Volkan Ozdemir. Volkan, what's going on, man?
5: Hey, I'm doing great. Uh, What about you, Jason?
4: I can't complain. It's finally starting to get warm up here in uh, northern New England, or southern New England, rather, and, uh, you know... Big transition from going, you know, 40 degrees last week to 70, 80 now. So, nonetheless, it's getting a little hot. But for a guy like yourself down in Florida, I'd imagine it's very hot down there.
5: Yeah, and I'm about to leave for Sweden like the cold. (laughs) But, um, yeah, it's 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 a nice place over there. Like, it's sunny, it's dreamy, you know. I can't complain.
4: Now, thank you for taking the time to join us tonight. We great, greatly appreciate it. Uh, how has training been going down at the Combat Club?
5: Um, it's been great. Uh, I've been I've been having a full camp this time uh, for my fight, so I, I was training for ten to twelve weeks already. Um, I just I just spent some time in Switzerland, like relaxed a little bit, and then I and then I and arrived, and they just called me for for the Misha's fight and. Um, And uh, yeah for UFC Stockholm.
4: Now we're just 11 days removed from um, from your fight with Misha Serkinov. Uh, How has camp been so far? How excited are you to get back in the cage and compete?
5: I'm really excited. Uh, My camp has been amazing. Uh, I I learned a lot about myself. I think since my last UFC fight, I mean my first UFC fight, my last fight, uh, I learned a lot about myself and how to improve um, I, uh, I improve, I guess, I improve mentally a lot, um, I have things, things differently, so yeah, I'm just overall, I'm I'm a, I'm a, I'm a better man.
4: Now, uh, Misha is one of the most highly touted up-and-comers at light heavyweight, much like yourself, uh, the champ Daniel Cormier spoke very highly of Misha, but that being said, you know, give us your thoughts on this matchup stylistically, and what does an impressive win do for you and your career?
5: I mean, Misha is a really tough guy. Uh, it's a tough opponent. I think he has um, he has all the attributes to be a champion one day, but um, he's gonna have to face me. And you know, like uh, I have desire to be champ. You know, I have a, a, a deep desire to be champion and you know, just rule the category. So, so he's gonna have to overcome me first, and um, that's not gonna be an easy task.
4: Without question, and you know his grappling credentials are, are world renowned, and he submitted his last three opponents. With the majority of your victories coming by way of you know TKO or KO, are you preparing for this fight as if it's the classic striker versus grappler matchup?
5: I mean, I've been working a lot of my ground game, and um, and because um, I know actually the that's that's the main point and everything you want to do. Uh, even if you want to strike, at the end of the day, you're just gonna end up going into you know into his submission mode. Because uh, even though we are like com- both complete fighter, we 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 train in every dimension, we fight in every dimension. At the end of the at the end of the day, we're just gonna um, you know get to our basic, you know fundamentals, and that's is a uh, grappling for him, and he's gonna be my striking.
4: Yeah, without question, you always go go back to you know what what got you to the dance in the first place. Um, But, you know, that being said, you talked about a uh, a little bit about it there, you know, when preparing for a guy like that, is the primary focus in camp grappling defense and and keeping the fight standing? Or, you know, like you said, I know you're you're both uh, complete martial artists, but, uh, you know, going into a fight with a grappler like this, do you primarily focus the training on grappling or are you working on everything?
5: I've been working on everything. Um, you need you need to to keep your weapon sharp. You know, even if you have if you build a, some really strong walls around you, if you can't attack the guy, you know, you're not gonna not gonna you're not gonna win the fight, you win the war. So for for sure, I'm keeping my weapon really sharp, and I'm just you know like sharpening my striking.
4: Now you took the division by storm back in February with the victory over OSP. You know, a guy that's been considered a top contender for a few years now. What has it been like going from a relatively unknown athlete to number 5 in the world with just one fight in the UFC?
5: I mean, it's crazy. Um things moved so fast for me. Um there is like I mean, it's now I'm I'm I'm, UFC, I'm in the UFC, the like people see me differently also. Um People start respecting me more and stuff like that. But uh, I think I, I need also to prove them that I, I deserve to be on the top five now, because top five is way different. Um, now it's uh, it's another world also, and uh, it's the highest, you know, is the highest, the strongest athlete athlete in the world that I have to face. So I'm also preparing, uh, you know, like uh, the the same the same way I have to, you know.
4: Well, keeping along with that, it's been a meteoric rise for you without question. Um, how do you feel about jumping right into the deep end at 205? You know, I'm sure you relish this challenge, but there must be a lot more added pressure to maintain this elite status, correct?
5: I mean, I just uh, – I think I get, I get my fuel from, from challenge, so I, I really – I enjoy it. You know, uh, I enjoy it. OSP was the first challenge I ever had, you know, like that, that I never had – to face anybody that 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 big before you know uh he he fought john jones for the title for the title and um then uh you know i, w- I was there fighting the, the same guy that that fought for the title a few a few fights ago you know so um, that was a big challenge for me now bisha is is running a eight fight win streak and he is 4-0 in the uc all all finishes so um, so that's also a big challenge for me and uh I'm just happy about it, and I'm, I'm, that's, that's, that's what gives me fire, you know?
4: Well, and, and without question, you certainly rose to the occasion, and, uh, you know, it's, like I said, it's been a meteoric rise so far. Uh, but this fight's going to take place in Stockholm, Sweden, with the majority of fans obviously coming out in support of uh, Alexander Gustafsson. But, you know, given the proximity to Switzerland, are you anticipating a good turnout of Swiss fans in support of you? You know, you must be very happy to compete so close to your native country.
5: Yeah, I got a um, a few friends flying, you know, to see me, and uh, that, that's gonna be amazing. Um, that's, that's I think that's the closest I can I can fight from home. Maybe Germany, uh, UFC has some some event in Germany, but that, that's that's amazing for me. Like I have a a lot of people coming to watch the fight, and you know, I think Switzerland. Switzerland has been, you know, like we we've been friends for forever, and I and I've been to the country uh, many times, like um, three or no four times now. It's been four time I've been in the country. It's going to be my fifth time uh, next week, and uh, I got a, a few friends there, too, so I'm excited.
4: So, obviously, you'll probably get some support from, from the Swedish fans as well. Oh, this, yeah, for sure. Now, speaking of Switzerland and your country of origin, for all the fans out there that, that are just getting introduced to you now, tell us a little bit about your journey as, as a martial artist. How did you get into MMA, and how did this journey you know, all begin for you?
5: I mean, I started karate when I was younger, you know, as a teenager, just to, you know, like, I had too much energy, I guess, uh, as a kid, and, you know, my mom wanted me to spend up energy, and uh, she she thought martial art will just help me calm down, and uh, I guess it just made me more excited, because (laughs) uh, I loved it, and uh, I just... Wanted to do more, so I went from karate. I tried kempo. I tried capoeira. So I tried so much, so, so much different martial arts because I, I never really find my, uh, a balance, you know, between. Uh, I I wanted to have something really, hard, you know, like full contact to, um, really effective and be able to to do everything, you know, like, be able to survive in any situation. And I think that's that's how um, I I end up doing MMA. And um, then I, I just started, you know, uh, going in different country to improve my boxing. And then I, I went to, to Thailand, I went to Netherlands, and then I, I started really focusing on fighting.
4: Now, as I mentioned earlier, you're part of the rapidly growing combat club in Florida. When did you decide to join that team, and what was the driving force behind your coming to the States to train?
5: So, I knew I had to 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 do something you know about my training because uh back home you know we, it's not it's not the same mentality you know um uh, people are not doing sports like professionally so um, if i really wanted to succeed i I, I had to go in um you know in the best place you know to, to do it because uh usa is the is, is is the place to be if you want to be an mma fighter and there is huge, big school, you know, ATT, Black Zillions, uh, AKA, you know, a lot, a lot of big schools for my weight. And I, I chose to go at Black because I knew some people over there. And uh, it was it was a great choice for me. Um, you know, I, I love the atmosphere. The training was a high level. There was, there was so many people until, I mean, the team split. And I, I just followed Henry Uft uh, at Comet Clubs. And now, you know, I'm part of the team here.
4: Yeah, you know, again, one of those instances of iron sharpens iron. You hear about that all the time. It's all about the quality of training partners that you have in the gym. Um, But we talked about it a little bit earlier, transitioning from Switzerland to to Florida. I mean, that's a drastic difference in climate and culture from Switzerland. How has it been adjusting to that?
5: So in the beginning, I wasn't really going out. I was just at the gym my house or the gym and that's it. Uh, I was really focused uh focused on my on my training and stuff like that and also I didn't have the you know the opportunity to go out. And um step by step I started, you know, living the life here. I, I, I knew I had I wanted to stay here, um, to move in and um definitely and um that's how I, I you know, I started getting adjusted to everything, you know, and uh, it's 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 really different and uh, the the country is great. I mean like um, I mean, you can do wh- whatever you, you want, you can be wh- whoever you can be with the hard work, you know, and, uh, that's, that's what also makes that country great.
4: Definitely land of opportunity for sure. Uh, so it sounds like you've taken a permanent residency in Florida.
5: I mean, I got my, my, um, my work visa for now and, um, and, um, uh, I just got, uh, engaged. So, we'll see we'll see how life will bring me but uh for sure as long as my career will 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 go on i'll be i'll be in usa for uh to you know to perform
4: okay speaking of your career getting back to that and what the future has in store for you does a big win a big win in sweden does that put you in mix for title contention in your opinion how many more wins do you think you need to be considered for a shot at the belt
5: uh i think after that fight um, it's probably going to be a title shot. I mean, you know, a fight to decide who's going to be for the for the for the um, going for the you know for the belt and uh, to fight the champion. So it I guess it all depends um, the winner on Gustafsson and Glover, and I guess Shogun is waiting right now and Manoa. So yeah. I guess we need to see who is who is going to end up victorious next week after that fight and see also what Dana White um, has planned after, you know, John Jones and Cormier. And uh, hopefully I'll be, I'll be there within two fights or one fight for sure.
4: Okay, now speaking of DC and John Jones, give us your thought on the returns of Jones, the return of Jones. Who do you pick in that fight and do you think John Jones deserves an immediate title shot, you know, coming off of a suspension?
5: I mean, thing is like he didn't really he he had to leave right he he didn't lose the belt so for me of course uh, he he has to be the he has to be fighting for the belt he he should not be you know climbing the ranks and stuff like that because he he never left he he left as as the champ you know whatever happened you know in his personal life and stuff like that he left as the champ so of course, he has to, you know, set up his beef with Cormier first, and then we can, you know, the division has to wait. And um, and what do I think about that? You know, like I hope he, he put his life straight because um, Cormier is no joke. Cormier, you know, I, even though he's 38 years old, uh, he's been, you know, winning and winning, you know, right now, and um, he's fresh of a good win against AJ. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna be interesting.
4: How do you feel you match up with a guy like John Jones or a Daniel Cormier?
5: I mean, you know what? I think everything is about growing. Um, so I give me one year I've that's, you know in my mind in my mind I have one year's to be to feeling 100% like ready for to fight any of them. So for me it's like I think the, the beginning of my new career right now, since I'm signed, with the see a lot of things change in my mind, and uh, I'm tra- training really differently, and um, I'm putting that extra work like all the time and stuff like that. So, so I'm ready to face anybody, and uh, I'm gonna just sharpen my tools. You know, getting my my ground game to you know uh, a really 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 good high level, my racing to a high level, and I'm gonna sharp, sharpen my 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 striking two, and then I'm going to be able to face anybody.
4: Now, uh, staying along with that, assuming you come out of this bout injury-free, I'm wondering what is the realistic timetable for you to get back in there, and you know how many times would you like to compete before the end of 2017?
5: Um so it's going to be June, I guess, one more time before the year. But I want to give some time off because that's exactly what I want to do right now. I want to improve because i got a new mind- mindset, a new mentality, and I, now I want to get some time to improve a little bit. And then I, the next time I'll be fighting, I'll, I'll be totally, totally different.
4: Now, we talked about it there briefly in regards to, you know, the next step for you after after May 28th. You know, you mentioned that you that you think it would be a title shot or maybe a, a number one contender fight. Any guy in particular that you'd like to compete against?
5: Um, so, it's always been, you know, Shogun was always somebody I, I was I was watching, you know, younger while I was growing up. So, Shogun will be an, an amazing opportunity, you know, because, uh, you know, I grew up watching the Pride, and, and uh, it's just going to be a dream come true, you know. Like, I, I've never been a fan of anybody, but... Um, being able to fight somebody you've been watching all the time that's that's just crazy
4: yeah without well first of all, it'd be a great matchup and and without a doubt he is a he is a living legend and and would be an amazing opportunity for you um, that being said, you know we talked about it there before you went from relatively unknown to number five in the world, assuming you get the win on may twenty eighth maybe you get the number one contender spot. I mean, as far as a a journey and and how crazy this has all been, how quickly it's moved forward, kind of a very inspirational story. You know, a guy coming from another country, moving to the States, all of a sudden fighting for a title shot, you know, uh, the UFC title within a year. Give us your thoughts on what it would mean for you to be able to do this in such a quick time, and, I mean, that's got to be almost record-breaking.
5: You know what I I, I realized a little bit, because – even today, I was watching an interview about um, a French fighter, you know, that that was competing for the UFC back in the day. And uh, sometimes I read people online and stuff like that, and they all say, oh, um, they don't like these people. They don't like that guy. You know, they give him a, a, a tough opponent and stuff like that at their first UFC fight and this and that. I mean, like, what do you expect? Are you in the game to be the best or, or, or what? So, I mean, like... If you if you want to have safe fight, don't don't even go to UFC. If you want to have easy fight, just stay somewhere else. You know, like fight locally. You know, and um, for me, it's all about challenge. You know, if if like the, my first fight they proposed me OSP and that, that was it. You know, I, I said yes right away, uh, two weeks notice, and that's it. Uh, I, I don't need to think about it. So that that was amazing for me. Uh, you know, I moved I moved in USA to to be able to, to accomplish something in my career, in, in my life. So, you know, they give me opportunity, I have to grab it. So then I have to give my 100% to, to make it the best out of it. And now, you know, everything is coming quickly. I, I got into the top five, you know, I'm ranked number five right now. They're proposing Misha, who's in you know, a four-fight uh, win streak in the UFC. And hopefully after that, you know, it's going to be, you know, something... My life is going will change after that fight. Uh, I know that for sure because I'm working hard towards that goal.
4: Well, it dramatically changed I mean just within a few months time already. Um, and like I said, it would be an incredible story for, for someone to uh, be able to come in and take a division like by storm in such a short period of time. but you know get, getting back to the fight on May 28th with Misha, how do you visualize this fight playing out and, and how do you think your hand gets raised at the end of the night? I think
5: Misha is a really smart guy. Um, he's in the new school, he's a complete fighter, he's, a, he's, a, he's somebody that, um, um, how we say, like, watch a lot of fight and stuff like that, that, that thinks a lot. So, um, so he's going to study me a lot and stuff like that. And I don't need no game plan, you know, I'm just going to go with the flow and, you know, fight my game and he's going to fight his game and I know exactly what I'm going to do and, uh I know what I what I wanna do against him and how to, to defend my you know defend uh, his stuff, you know. And uh that's it. I don't I don't need, I don't need more about it. I know I'm gonna win the fight because I have a tough, you know, mentality. Um, I, I don't give up. And um that's that's what's gonna bring me, you know, the victory.
4: Now for all the Vulcan fans out there and the ones that should be fans already, that likely will be after May twenty eighth, what should we all expect from you in the near future? And where can everybody find you on social media?
5: So yeah, um, I got. I'm getting more active with my Instagram and my Facebook page, Twitter slowly, you know, coming step by step. So yeah, you can follow me at Volcan on Facebook and Volcan underscore Özdemir on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter. And you know, I'm just you know want to thank you and everybody who's following me and you know supports me on in, in whatever you in know whatever way. So. I'm I'm really glad that everything worked out, you
4: know. Absolutely, as I said several times, man, incredible story. I can only imagine what this journey has been like you for for you so far. Uh, but in conclusion, any last words for Misha before before this fight goes down next week?
5: I know Misha is ready for that fight, so so um, I'm just happy about something. He's like it doesn't take me uh, lightly, and that's that's something nobody has we'll have to do the the mistake because I'm not to take lightly
4: without question man we're certainly looking forward to the fight on May 28th in Stockholm Sweden definitely looking forward for uh, to what the future has in store for you hopefully a title shot within the next couple fights and like I said incredible story uh, thank you very much for the time man any shout outs you'd like to get in before we let you go
5: yeah one of the things like Fred is my best friend and my manager right now uh, working for me is building all of stuff for me back home in Switzerland. Um, I got um, Carol and Matt, you know, that's helping me also with all the the stuff in America and um, all the decisions and stuff like that. I got some good sponsors, like the food company Warrock and and uh, all the people that take care of my health, Liquivita or like was physician and stuff like that. So, Dr. Richard Davidson from the chiropractic and, you know, like it's just a great team, you know. I got a great team behind me and I'm just, you know, blessed.
4: Absolutely. And big thank you to the to the guys from Combat Club for setting up this setting up this interview. It's been a pleasure to speak with you and as I mentioned, definitely looking forward to the fight next week. Hope to hear from you again soon and maybe we can catch up after the big win. Yes, for sure. Thanks so much. All right, my friend. You have a good day. Yes. All right, Penn Nation. There you have it. Volkan Ozdemir taking on Misha Serkinov, UFC Fight Night 109, in Stockholm, Sweden, May 28th. You heard me say it several times there, but what a crazy story. (laughs) I mean, like, he's fought in many promotions across the world, but but the only uh, notable one, in North America at least, Had a fight in Bellator, didn't go his way, lost by submission, I believe. Takes the fight with OSP on two weeks' notice, and boom. We're talking about this guy potentially fighting for the title. As far as promotion and marketability goes, I think they have to build him up a bit more. But with a couple of really impressive performances, there's no reason that that can't happen. So nonetheless, should be a great fight, May 28th. And BJPenn.com is going to have you guys covered as Vulcan's career progresses. So coming up next, guys, the tech executioner, James Vick. As I said, coming off of a big KO victory. Didn't get a bonus, which kind of sucks. I mean, I guess you give a one. Was there a submission? I can't remember if there was any submissions. Anyway, you'll hear us talk about it, kind of a bummer he didn't, he didn't get a bonus for that knockout, but it's another guy, the second of the trio of up-and-coming contenders, 155 pounds, everybody in that division, likely keeping their eye on this guy. Great conversation with him as well, he was in the car with uh, his girlfriend, just heading home from shopping, so I kept him on the I kept them on the phone a little long and you know, I was apologetic about it. I know uh, you've got to dedicate your time to your woman, especially when you guys are together. So anyway, I'm sure she understands it's part of the job of being a prize fighter, right? So let's jump right into it. bjpen.com radio. As always, I'm Kinch, second guest of the evening. The Tech Executioner, James Vick. Hope you guys enjoy the interview. And as I mentioned, we'll be closing out tonight's show with Colby Covington. Hope you guys enjoy. All right, Penn Nation, we are now joined by one of the big winners from UFC 211 this weekend. Of course, I'm talking about the Tech Executioner, James Vick. James, what's going on, man?
1: Nothing, just chilling. Been enjoying the last couple days, just Back yeah. at home with all my people.
4: I can only imagine, my friend. Uh, thanks, as always, for taking the time to speak with us. Congrats on a really impressive win on Saturday. Uh, pretty much flawless performance. How happy were were you with, you know, how everything played out on fight night?
1: I'm very happy. Uh, just, uh, ran, got the win easy, no damage. Just um, this is the best, best I've ever felt after after a fight where, you know, after training camp as well, where, I've you know, you have a lot of injuries throughout the camps, always, you're, no one's ever 100%, but I was as close as I've been in years to being 100%. I was, you know, I was still had some things going on, but it was um, the best. You know, I'm actually, you know, healthy right now. I'm actually about to go to the, go to boxing practice in a minute.
4: Wow. All right. Well, clearly the performance reflected that, but, you know, it, you say uh, best camp you've had, best you've ever felt in a fight in a long time anyway. Um how was the weight cut, man? You know, when I watched the live weigh-ins, I felt like you looked like a maybe a little extra drawn out. I, was there any issues with the weight cut?
1: Um, the weight cut's always hard. I'm always drawn out. I'm, uh, it's, it's never easy. Uh, it was hard, of course, but it, uh, no harder. It wasn't really much harder than any of the rest of them. I mean, it was a little bad towards the end, but I actually started off to be a great weight cut. And then, it, you know, I, my, the last morning of the weigh-in, I wasn't sweating off as much water as I thought. But the day before, I, I lost more in one session than I'd ever lost. And I was like, oh, this is going to be great. But it was just, you know, basically normal. It's always hard, you know. But when I got in there, I felt great. Just like before, I remember the probably the worst weight cut I've ever had was when I fought uh, Glyco Franca in Vegas, at UFC 197. That was the the worst weight cut I ever had. And I, I fought three five five been five-minute rounds and, and fought probably the best – I had ever fought. So as long as I listen to my nutritionist and replenish my body the right way, I always feel good.
4: Yeah. You know, again, you know, your performance looked like there was nothing wrong at all, but just, you know, from my own uh, perspective, when I watched the live weigh-ins, you know, I thought to myself, wow, that, you know, obviously the amount of weight you drop at your height is going to be a challenge anyway, but you know, good to know that there wasn't any issues there. So first round TKO didn't really take any damage, put on a great display of your skills in front of your hometown crowd Honestly, doesn't get much better than that. Um, jab and front kick effective from the start. Great head movement, Then the counters were there. You know, obviously that's how the fight was finished. But you mentioned post-fight that you expected him to prepare for a grappling-oriented offense from you. Uh, was the plan for you to go in there and surprise him standing up you know, once the fight started?
1: Um, well, I think he just thought that. I mean, it was—it's obvious my ground game was way better than his. So I think they thought that, you know, it was going to be my easiest route if I went in there to try to take them down. Um, and, and, I, and I had planned on, you know, potentially going for a takedown, but have I ever went for takedowns in my fights, let's be honest. I mean, I'm a striker. Um, I've submitted half of the guy. You know, every, a lot of these people want to talk a lot of crap and say I'm not, you know, this technical as this or I'm, I don't do the certain things that I should do. I drop my hands so as much. as. But I'm, I'm outstriking all of them. Only one guy has outstruck me, and that's the guy who beat me. Because all these other guys that I'm submitting, they're shooting because I'm hurting them on the feet. It's not like I'm shooting and taking them down, you know. So, uh, yeah, I, 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 my plan was to, you know, potentially make some of the takedowns, but I knew I was a better striker than him. I, I, you know, I started off as a as a boxer in Texas, and I fought fifteen full Reyes before. You know, what I mean, no no disrespect to him or anything, but I fought. He's a, he's a Good power punching flat footed Mexican boxer. I fought fifteen of them when I boxed an amateur in Texas. That's all I fought. So I've seen his style many times and I've always moved really good against them and I've never I've never I've never lost to that style of fighter.
4: So considering that, you know, he was getting a lot of praise for his boxing credentials going into this, you know, do you feel like you had something extra to prove in the stand up game?
1: Um, no, I just—I mean, I just knew I was a better boxer. Like if we, we we did a boxing match, I would win that too. I just knew I was a better—I'm a better fighter everywhere, I, and I knew that.
4: Well, last time we spoke, you know, moving on here, um, clearly your striking skills couldn't be matched by his on fight night. But last time we spoke, you mentioned that you were uh, really campaigning to be on this card. Clearly got the fight in Dallas. That being said, what was the crowd like, and how were the fans leading up to fight night and after the win?
1: It was amazing, amazing. A dream come true. Uh, when I remember when I when I knocked him out and the ref stepped in, I just turned around and I put my hands up and I just heard my all the people screaming. It was just, just a rush. I just soaked it up and enjoyed it. It was just, I felt never felt so alive in my life. And it was just the great, the by far, the greatest victory I've had as far as the celebration in the cage after and just it's been great the response and you know all my people here in Dallas Fort Worth has just been amazing.
4: Now uh, speaking of the performance and you know crowd reaction uh, I didn't get a chance to check but did you did you get a post-fight bonus?
1: (laughs) No I did not unfortunately.
4: Okay all right. Um, uh,
1: Yeah it was kind of ridiculous I didn't get that bonus once again I'm not I mean I don't understand in my mind I should have I should be $100,000 richer in the last fights, because I, I I should have got it when I've been able to. I hit him with a flying knee to a, fish, a submission finish. Um, I should have, you know, but, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm not worried. I have um, me and Dana White, or have a, I'm actually going flying to the fighter conference this weekend, and uh, I'm going to get a meeting with Dana White, and everything's good, and, and everything's good to go. I have no complaints. He said he's going to take care of me, and everything's good.
4: Yeah, well, good to hear that, you know, considering that It sucks when a guy with a great finish, like you've had in your past, you know, couple of fights, doesn't receive uh, that post-fight bonus. But hopefully that all that all gets worked out. Um, Last time we, all right. So speaking on you know on how things went after the finish, um, you really used your time on the microphone wisely, in my opinion. You know, you made it clear that you want the UFC to give you a push and that you're ready to take the next step with your career. Also, dropped some names, which I'll get to in a moment here. But in regards to getting a push from the promotion, you know, what do you think has held them back from doing that? And you know, you're exciting to watch. You're well spoken, have an organic personality. What is it going to take, in your opinion, to get the push from the UFC?
1: Well, I think um, that that is what, what I think that did just give me the push. To be honest with you, um, I, I think a lot of it has been inactivity. You know, I can't you know blame anyone but myself for the for you know I've been injured a lot, so I've been inactive. That was my eighth fight in four years. But at the same time, I've had four fights all within the last year. So I have fought four times in one year. So I have been active enough. Um. Uh, uh, I think that you know me speaking up and finally saying something. Um, is definitely you know bringing attention. People, have been getting tons of media, and um, I you know I talked to the the UFC uh, PR lady. Uh, I believe her name is DM Breckenridge, and she. Uh, I'm having a meeting with her, and she's gonna. Uh, uh, when I come up there this this Friday to Vegas, and she's going to uh, she's going to set me up with the w, uh, WME people, and how so I can have a little meeting with them as well. And she promised she's gonna, you know, fly me out to some events and set some stuff up. And then I got the meeting with Dana Wyatt you know, so uh, to hopefully negotiate a new contract and everything. So uh, you know, I'm on cloud nine right now.
4: Yeah, clearly everything is headed in the right direction that's good to hear as well. Um, but you know, speaking of WME and the sale of the UFC, it seems like more and more fighters are complaining about being promoted kind of like you were and, you know, the questionable matchmaking. Do you think it's just the way things are now, or is this just a phase within the evolution of the sport and the new owners trying to, uh, you know, maximize their dollars?
1: Probably a combination of all that. Uh, I think that, uh, I mean, if, anytime you can get someone like CM Punk to come in and fight, and it doesn't matter if he if he wins or loses to them. I mean, why do why do they care about that? He's uh, he's a money draw, and I understand that. But I, you know, some of these other people that they're not that they're promoting and doing this stuff for, you know, um, like Sage Northcutt, who has a 500 record in the UFC, and. Um, some of the girls that have you know losing records in the UFC that are getting you know co-main event spots and stuff like that, or just you know some of the guys with t- only two fights getting you know featured on uh, Ultimate Insider and getting these TV things and and getting flown out by Metro PCS and stuff. Um, to me, that's just not right, you know. And um, but I'm not you know I'm not here to hate on anyone. I'm not here to you know to hate and say this person doesn't. You know, there's a big enough piece of pie for everyone. I just want my piece. So um uh. Those people can, you know, get what's coming to them, or get 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 what they deserve, or what even what they don't deserve. In my, in my opinion, or someone else's, that's you know, I'm not here to do that. I just want my piece of the pie, and I think it's time. And I think that I finally I've did enough. I deserve it. I've earned it. And I think that I'm. I think why White's gonna make it right, and I think I'm gonna get it.
4: Well, I agree with you 100% there, and I certainly agree that you know while you while I can understand the need to make certain fights. For sake of revenue, at the same time you got you know you got to draw a line there and and uh, you know give the rightful contenders their shot. But sticking with taking advantage of your time on the microphone, you wish it a challenge to Kevin Lee and Michael Chiesa. Either of those guys, you know, you'd be willing uh, to step in there if if one of them was injured and had to pull out, and that would clearly be a step in the right direction um, for your career and advancing up the ladder. Both guys ranked. Other than obviously wanting to get revenge. Over Chiesa for the loss on the Ultimate Fighter. What is what is it exactly about those guys that you know made you request that matchup specifically?
1: Um, well, basically, the main reason is they're ranked above me. They're ranked above me, and it's it's the realistic fight that I could get potentially because I'm not going to get any. You know, I'm not. I could say I will fight Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, and in my opinion, I would beat beat the shit out of both of them as well. Like I don't th- I don't think either one of those guys would. I think I'm a stylistically horrible matchup for both of those guys. But I know that I'm not going to get that fight. I know I'm not going to get to fight Eddie Alvarez. I would murder Eddie Alvarez. I literally think that fight would not even be close. Even if I didn't finish him, I would win handedly three rounds. I would beat him easily. Um, but I don't think that I'm going to get that fight, you know, obviously. So I have to, you know, keep keep building my way up, you know. It's about, you know, getting your name out there and stuff like that. And I think that... uh you know, where they're, where they're seated Kevin Levy at number 11 or number 12 or something like that, and Kiesa being number 7 or 8, that's a realistic matchup I could get. And um, Oklahoma City is only three, and a half, three, three hours from where I live and in Texas. So, yeah, I'll take that fight in a heartbeat. And I'm healthy. I took no damage. I, I can turn around and fight again in a month or another, no problem.
4: Wow. So clearly it has nothing to do with all the drama that went down. It's just you being sensible about matchmaking, got to work your way up to the fight. Um, but again, hopefully a couple of great performances and you should be in that lofty top contender, uh, status, like a guy like Eddie Alvarez. Uh, that's a f- matchup I would love to see. And, you know, you mentioned that, um, you're a bad stylistic matchup. I agree with you a hundred percent, you know, just the length alone combined with your striking skills, uh, tough day at work for anybody that has to step in the cage with you. But, um, I think it was such a wise decision what you did there. couple of reasons, obviously, like you just said, uh the rankings being realistic about the rankings but sticking with the uh the summer kickoff press conference and, and the drama that happened there you know you really struck the iron while it was hot and you can really build some anticipation with that um what did you make of that chaos you know did K- kiesa overreact should lee be in trouble for throwing that punch
1: you know what i haven't even seen the press conference i don't watch the thing. i watched it because it, it was the day i weighed in it was Right before my win, so normally I watch everything. I keep up with everything. I just haven't had time to do it since after since the fight, and but normally I'm always on top of that stuff. But I did see the highlights of it. And I'm not sure that uh, I heard that it was, you know, from what I understood, it was a misunderstanding where Kiesa thought that Kevin Lee said something inappropriate about his mom, and, Kiesa, and Kevin Lee claims he didn't or something, and it was a misunderstanding. I don't know, but I mean, if you if someone walks up on you, I guess you got every right to swing on them if they're trying to get up close. So I mean. I'm not, you know, hating on Kevin Lee for, for you know, we're swinging on somebody
4: trying to run up on him, you know. True, true. It was just crazy to see a punch actually get thrown and landed. You know, a lot of the times staff can get in between them. Maybe there's a shove or something. But, um, again, I, I, I can't say who's right or wrong in that situation, but you definitely struck the iron while it was hot. Um, perfect timing for that call out, <laughs> whether it just be, you know, happenstance. But, um, you know, I mean, get, I mean, getting –
1: it was random. It was the, the call was clearly random. It really had nothing to do pertaining to that. That's just it's just good. That's a hot subject of them to get into it with each other. Because I was already, I've been planning to call those things out for a month now. I've been planning this out for maybe maybe longer since that fight was announced. I've been planning on like I've visualized get, me getting a quick win and no damage and even step in and fight that fight.
4: Now, so so getting back to you know your personality and marketing. With the rise of McGregor, you know, to his stardom, it seems like everybody's trying to replicate that trash-talking style of hyping up a fight. Um, But if it's not well planned or, you know, if there's not real animosity, I feel like most fans dismiss it quickly. They see right through it. You know, as I mentioned, you come off as a genuine likable guy. That being said, you know, do you feel some pressure to maybe talk smack to lobby for the fights you want going forward? Because honestly, it was refreshing to hear a guy with a good old-fashioned, respectful call-out after a fight
1: um you know, I don't feel pressure, but here's the thing anytime like you can call someone out respectfully and but unless they're like uh uh cause I it was funny after the fight when I was walking back I saw Kevin Lee coming through the crowd like talking shit or something or saying something I couldn't hear him through all the people or whatever, but I didn't call him out in a bad way or anything like that, but obviously he took it as a sign of disrespect um uh not that I care to be honest because I don't but um uh uh Basically, when you if you call out if I said hey you know I want to fight um, uh, like an old veteran you know or whatever it would be an honor to fight you if I said oh hey I want to fight Gilbert Melendez it would be an honor to fight you you know the, the the veterans don't get really offended but if you even say someone else's name and say hey I'd love to fight Kevin Lee or I'd love to fight the, the younger guys coming up they still they get offended by it regardless and take it as a threat and they usually start talking trash so it's not like really if you start talking trash back against them it's, it's Fake animosity, they created it because they took it personal. you know, trying to call them out. Basically, I'm trying to call them out because they're ranked above me. I don't have a problem with them. You know, actually, me and TS are, are good friends. You know, we live together for three months in Ultimate Fighter, but I do want to rematch, and so that's why I've continued to call them out. But, you know, I think a lot of the young guys, they're, they're going to take it as as, as a threat and, and, and get defensive anyway.
4: Yeah, a misunderstanding of a competitive nature and a competitive sport. Uh, only makes sense to me. But, you know, speaking of McGregor and the state of mixed martial arts, the situation at 155 with the with the title picture, who's the rightful number one contender in your opinion? Should there be an interim title if Connor doesn't defend this belt and, and takes the fight with Mayweather? Where do you stand on the landscape at 155?
1: I mean, you can't blame McGregor. I mean, I, I can't blame him. I mean, who wouldn't do that? And any, all of these people that are hating on him, you know, they can't say that they wouldn't do the same thing because if they did, they're lying. Um, uh, But uh, I guess Tony Ferguson, you know? I mean, Tony Ferguson's won eight or nine fights in a row. I mean, you can't say he's he's not the number one contender. And, I mean, Khabib Khabib as well. But Khabib, you know, he he messed that up for himself. Um, So he probably has to wait one or two fights to get back in there. I mean, I think Khabib was going to win that fight. I think Tony Ferguson was was in for a long night. But, um, obviously, I think Khabib... I mean, right now, I would say you may have to go with Tony Ferguson and maybe... Maybe against Barboza again in a rematch or something. I mean, that's that's what makes the best sense as far as for a number one contender fight. You know, since Khabib, you know, pulled out, he's going to have to go and probably win another one before then. So that makes sense to me, probably.
4: Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, with the unreliability of Khabib with the injuries, you know, it's, it's such a repeat uh, offense there. And so it's tough to put him in a main event with the potential of the fight falling through. Um but you know speaking of the rankings you get a fight with say Kiesa Kevin Lee you get into the rankings there top 15 realistically in your opinion you know how many big performances would you have to get under your belt to you know get up there to that contender spot of you know third second or or first
1: I I mean I think I can I think I can win three 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 more fights and potentially be fighting for world title three to four I mean uh depending on the, who I get to fight this, you know, how they're ranked or whatever. But I mean, I think I match up well with all those guys from one through top 15. I mean, look what I just did to Abel Trujillo. I mean, Abel Trujillo dropped Tony Ferguson. He took him down three times. You know, uh, Khabib, Khabib dominated Abel Trujillo, but he didn't finish him. I mean, I murdered Abel Trujillo. He took, he, he landed five punches on me the whole fight. And I took him down and then I, and, and, and kneed him in the face, dro- dropped him in the first round. You know, I mean, I think I match up stylistically with tons of guys. Eddie Alvarez, that's where all these guys I think I could beat. And I, I think I just need the opportunity. You know, yeah, I lost, you know, I lost the fight. And like I said, Vanille was ranked number five or six. And Benil was legit winning the fight against Barbosa and just kept going for unnecessary takedowns and got caught. He was, I mean, he wasn't like landslide winning, but he was, in my opinion, he was clearly winning that fight. And, um, um, Barbosa is looking at you know number three in the world or something, basically potentially fighting for number one, for 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 the interim belt in the next fight or something maybe. So I mean I I just in my opinion you know like I said with the Vanille fight I got caught um uh, I got caught and it's happened to several people. Michael Bisping has been knocked down multiple times and comes back and becomes a world champion. You know so I think my skill set is high enough I can fight any of these guys and I'm ready to fight any of them. And I don't think any of them are just jumping in the door to fight a six foot three lightweight who can do everything.
4: Yeah no. That's what I mean. I mean, as far as stylistic matchup, you are a nightmare for all these guys. Uh, but
1: yeah, they want basically the, 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 all these top contenders. That's why I respect Vanille There, I have uh, lots of respect for him, not just because he beat me, but because he fought me. And and then he turned around and he fought Rashid uh, Ma- Magomedov, who also could be ha- fit half the top ten as well. I, I believe, and so you know, um, and Vanille's the only guy in the top ten that's willing to fight guys. Outside, outside of it, you know, because these other guys, they don't want I mean, I understand, you know, you've earned your right to fight top contender, your you're earned your right to fight to top contender, but what the hell do you think a 7-1 and one record in the UFC is? My record is, I was talking about this in my interviews after the fight, my record is, my UFC record is as good as Kies's and Kevin Lee's. They're, Kevin Lee's like 7-2 and two or something like that, or 8-2, and two, and Kies is like 7-2 and two or 8-2. and two. So they have, they have maybe one more win than me, and they have enough, they have more losses than I do. You know, so it's not like they're, they're, they were both only beat uh, one ranked guy. You know, um, he, uh, Kevin Lee just beat the number twelve ranked guy. Before that, he, he didn't. You know, he didn't beat um, uh, he didn't beat a, b- a bunch of three or four top fifteen guys. You know, so uh, their their careers aren't that much far ahead of mine like they act like they are.
4: So, so that being said, man, you clearly oh. from the looks of it came out of this fight unscathed. <laughs> Quick turnaround, hopefully get back in there stay injury-free for the rest of the year. How many more times would you like to fight this year, and do you think you could potentially break into that uh, top ten, top five before the end of
1: 2017? Um, well, I uh, I would like to fight two more times. Okay. And my goal is to be, be ranked, you know, at least number eight by the end of the year. So maybe get, you know... A top, you know, a guy, you know, went to the top 15 and then turn around beat him and then beat another guy and and get there. Um, uh, if I if you know, obviously I'm not wishing Kevin Lee or Kiesa injuries. I I don't wish injuries on anyone. I've had too many to be hating on people like that. So I don't wish them any type of injury. But if they if I am gonna you know try to keep my weight down and stay training hard and and if that opportunity presents itself, I will take that fight. Um, uh, but if not, then I'm just going to probably just chill the whole summer and then fight in the fall and then maybe, uh, the end of the year again.
4: Okay. That's my plan. Okay. So you're going to stay ready for Kiesa Lee potentially replacing somebody there and, uh, shooting for a fall and hopefully before year's end as well. Uh, definitely reasonable. You know, I was wondering if you were going to try to pack three in there, but wise choice to just get in two more fights this year. Uh, the Chiesa and we fight, you know, that that doesn't take take place till June 25th. Assuming a winner, you know, comes out of that fight free, let's assume there's, like you said, a couple-month turnaround. Is there any particular venue you're looking at, you know, for late summer? Or, uh, you know, you mentioned you wanted to fight in Oklahoma City, if that's a possibility. But, uh, you know, is there any particular venue that you'd like to be a part of?
1: Um, they, You know, if the UFC comes back to Texas and, and – uh... In like September or, you know, like they did last year, they fought in, where was it, Hidalgo, I believe. If they fight, you know, sometime, sometimes they go to San Antonio. They've been, you know, uh, if they come there, yeah, I would love to get on the card. I would love to fight at home. Um, uh, that'd be three fights in one year in Texas. That would be really the end of the So So uh, if, if they could do that, it, it, it would be great. Um, if not, we'll see, I'll see what's available. I have no interest in fighting out of the country, though. I don't I don't want to get screwed on any more taxes and have to do any of that so uh, i want to fight in the united states
4: okay now if you get the kieser or, or lee uh match that obviously that that's the one that you're that you're really gunning for hopefully in the fall as you said but i'd imagine if the ufc offers you any other fight with a guy who's currently ranked you're going to take it without yeah. hesitation
1: yeah 100 percent. i mean there's, there's a couple guys i would rather not fight like, ally, I, 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 I went to, you know, just because we're friends, you know. Um, we live together in Ultimate Fighter House. I would rather wait to fight him until we're both closer to the number one spot, you know. So if I got offered that fight, I really wouldn't want to fight him, to be honest, you know. And he, you know, I, he feels the same way. Like, really, I, I really, the only reason why I want to fight Kiesa is because we've already fought and he beat. Like, I mean, I'm friends with Michael Kies as well, you know, and I don't, you know, I don't, I mean, I'm not one of those guys that say I'll never fight these people because we're friends. We don't train together, though, so let's be real. But I'm not just going to, uh, I don't want to just fight them for the number 15 ranked spot, you know what I'm saying? If I if I can, you know, if I can fight, if I had to fight them for the number four or five ranked spot, absolutely. But if it's not, you know, if it's not up there higher, then it's not, you know, I really, there's just other options, I think, you know.
4: Yeah, without question, and it's all about what's on the line, what's at stake, where, where the a win would put you, uh, you know, whether or not you're going to take a fight with a training partner or a friend, completely understandable. Uh, listen, James, you've been more than uh, generous with your time tonight, greatly appreciate it. Uh, I guess in conclusion, man, we're looking at fall for the next fight. What can all the tech Executioner fans expect from you in the next fight going forward in 2017, and will we see you challenge for a title in 2018?
1: Um, that's the plan. Yeah, yes, sir. That's That's been my plan all along. Um, I have a goal board that I wrote out two years ago that I was going to fight for the title in 2018. And I posted that. So if anybody thinks I'm lying about that, I posted that a couple of years ago. Then go back and check my old social media post, my old Facebook uh, uh, fan page post. Well, I did post that. And that is my goal, 2018. And I'm optimistic. Uh, I'm optimistic. Uh, I, what they can expect is I'm going to progress. I'm going to get better. I train harder than everyone, and I will be better the next time they see me. And um, I'm going to win. You know, so just they can expect that my my next fight for sure.
4: Well, like I said, man, organic personality, super cool guy, awesome fighting style, very exciting for the fans. Hopefully you get that push. Hopefully we see a matchup in the fall with a ranked guy. Uh, And and you get that push that, you know, is a long time overdue, in my opinion. Uh, But like you said, injuries, whatever. But clearly, we look forward to the next fight. Look forward to speaking with you again soon. Any shout-outs you'd like to get in before we let you go?
1: Um, Just, you know, just uh, my management, KO reps. um, My manager, Orrin Hodek. um, My team, Team Wood Irvin. And um, my beautiful girlfriend, who's, who's over here sitting next to me when, um, as I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, Toyota Irving and Gamma Labs for sponsoring me for this fight. And that's it. Everyone just follow me on social media Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. They're all James Vick MMA.
4: All right, my friend. Again, we certainly look forward to the next outing, you progressing up the ladder. And uh, we'll talk again soon, my friend. Always a pleasure. You have a good night. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. Later. All right, bud. All right, Penn Nation. That was the tech executioner, James Vick. If you didn't get a chance to watch the fights over the weekend, that's definitely one of the highlights that I would recommend you guys go check out. We talked about it in depth there. You heard me mention it before. At six foot three, at one fifty five, with that kind of reach and that frame, combined with great submission skills and, and great muay thai, and you know boxing as well, just great striking in general. <laughs> Such a tough matchup. I mean, we know that a lot of guys cut down to be the bigger guy in the fight, and for his frame to allow him to get to one fifty five is a feat within itself. But then to perform at a high level on flight night, you know, clearly he's not diminishing his body uh, too drastically uh, to get to that weight. So looking forward to what's next for him. Like we said, hopefully a ranked guy. And I have a feeling you'll, uh, you'll see him in the headlines more and more as time goes on. And uh, like I said, number two of a trio of up-and-coming contenders in their respective divisions. The next division, the next contender that we have on the show is at 170 pounds, Walter Waite. Has a fight coming up with the stun gun. Jung Hyung Kim, that's going down in Singapore, June 17th. Colby Covington. one of the many, many talented guys and gals fighting out of American Top Team. As always, great conversation with Colby. I'm sure you guys will enjoy it. But that kid has, uh, you know, all the talent in the world, wrestling background, all those skills, but he is uh, incredibly focused and has, you know, he expresses a great deal of willpower and confidence. And if it all goes as planned and, and you know keeps coming together for him, he'll make one hell of a champion and one hell of a one hell of a contender in the welterweight division. So again, final guest for the night Chaos, Kobe Colvington, BJ Pen dot com radio, your host Kinch, as always. We'll jump right into this interview. Hope you guys enjoy. Colby Covington, coming up next. All right, Penn Nation. We are now joined by the man they call chaos, Mr. Colby Covington. Colby, what's going on, man?
3: Not much, man. Just getting ready for uh, training tonight at American Top Team. What's going on with you?
4: Ah, same old. Another uh, wonderful day at BJPenn.com. Uh, thanks, as uh, always, for taking the time to speak with us, man. How is training camp been going so far?
3: Oh, man, it's, it's been going incredible. I can't I can't ask for anything more out of a training camp. I feel the best I've ever felt. I feel very complete and well-rounded as a fighter, and I'm ready to show what I'm made of on June 17th.
4: Now, last time we spoke, you didn't have a fight signed yet, but you were eyeing a fight with Dong Hyun Kim and campaigning for a ranked opponent. Uh, just a day or two after that interview, uh, you know, the time you were on the show, the fight was announced for UFC Singapore, like you just said, June 17th. How excited are you for this matchup and the opportunity to finally break, uh, break into the rankings?
3: Uh, I'm very excited. This is uh, what I've been looking for my whole career. You know, I'm always looking for the toughest fight out there, the biggest challenge that I can get. I'm not one of those fighters that's looking for an easy road. I want a tough road, and, and that's the type of road that I've been looking for. So this is uh, the perfect time, and I, I feel more ready than ever to take this next step.
4: Now, tell us a little bit about the matchup stylistically. You know, he's a judo, uh, judoka, with you know, with somewhat unorthodox striking. What kind of challenges do you think he poses for you on fight night?
3: Um, you know, I don't, I don't see any huge challenges. I mean, the biggest challenge is, you know, he's got experience, so I just have to be patient and pick my shots in there. But I think I'm better than him everywhere. I think I can outstrike him. If he wants to make it a striking battle, I can outstrike him. He he likes to take guys down, and he's shown that in the past with the judo. But, that's not going to work, you know, that judo that that don't work on wrestlers, you know judo, we say in the wrestling world those are the guys that couldn't make the varsity team in wrestling, so they went to the the judo team because they they accepted everybody so, you know, I'm prepared for anywhere he wants to bring this fight in and I'm going to embarrass him on June 17
4: Well, you know, you just answered my next question I I was going to talk a little bit about the differences between uh, judo and wrestling and how, you know, judo hasn't really translated into mixed martial arts in the way that wrestling has, Uh, so it's clear to say that you're very confident that his judo will have uh have no effect against your credentials in, in, in the american wrestling world
3: yeah i'm very confident that uh if he, if he tries to make it a grappling match that he's going to blow his tank and he's going to gas out and he's going to he's going to be asking the ref for a way out before the 15 minutes is up he doesn't want to get into the grappling exchange he's, he's not ready for that type of pace and that type of grind and he, you know, he doesn't know what chain wrestling is, and if he wants to get into a grappling exchange, he's gonna find out the hard way that that's the worst mistake he can make.
4: Now he's gone seven and one in his last eight fights, with uh, the only loss uh, in those eight fights coming at the hands of the champ, Tyron Woodley. Uh, without question, you know, this is the biggest fight of your career. An impressive win on June seventeenth should put you in the mix for, you know, potential title title contenders. Would you agree?
3: Absolutely, I feel like. If I go make a big statement and go finish the up camp like I know I'm going to do, then that should set me up with like a number one contendership type fight against like a Steven Thompson or Robbie Lawler or Damian Meyer or someone up there in the top five.
4: Now, are you looking forward to competing in Singapore? You know, some guys prefer to fight in the States or in Vegas. Others like to travel and experience different cultures. What's your take on traveling to Singapore and fighting in front of the uh, Singapore fans?
1: I think it's going to be a cool experience, you know.
3: I think uh, the Singapore fans are going to be on his Dungum Kim side in Asia. They love him in Asia, but you know, I think it's kind of a cool experience to go over there. It's a great place. I've been there already for the press conference, so you know, it's a beautiful place, and, and I'm looking forward to the challenge of uh, you know the, the travel over there and, and having to adjust to the, the time change. But that's just going to show how much how much more dangerous that I am to go over and do that overseas and show the UFC that, you know, I'm willing to, to take these risks and, and go fight a guy in his backyard and show him how, how my worth is right now.
4: Now, that being said, how early will you be getting to Singapore? Are you arriving on flight week? Will you be getting there a little bit earlier to adjust, or what? what time, when do you plan on uh, getting to Singapore?
3: I plan to get to Singapore about 10, 12 days out. I don't have my, my ticket booked, but we're talking to UFC right now, and we want to go about 12 days early just because, you know, it's uh, it's like 28 hours in flying time. So it's it's no joke of uh, flying time. That's a lot of jet lag we're going to have to be worried about. But more importantly is just getting on the time schedule over there because they're 12 hours ahead. So it's important to get out there. You know, a week's not going to be enough. We're going to need like a week and a half to get adjusted and get acclimated.
4: Wow, 28 hours. That's one hell of a flight, man. Yeah. (laughs) Now, given Kim's popularity in the East, you know, you mentioned it there, kind of fighting in his own backyard, this gives you some great exposure to a new market and an opportunity to really expand your fan base immensely. Is that something you look forward to capitalizing on come fight night?
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, When I fought Macau, China for my first UFC fight, you know, I made some Asian fans. They were real receptive to me out there, and they really loved me, so this is another opportunity to shine overseas. I feel like I'm going to become an international star before I come an American star. So that's cool, you know. If they want me to fight overseas and be the bad guy overseas, I, I can play that role. That, that's the role I'm looking for. So, you know, it would be cool to get some new fans. And, and uh, the Asians are going to love me after I put on this performance for them on June 17th in Singapore.
4: Now, the fight schedule just before yourself and Kim features two guys that you were also campaigning for a fight with, Terek Safadin and Rafael Dos Anjos. How do you see that fight playing out, and was there any talk of, uh, tra- uh, you know, switching one of you guys out as an alternate if, you know, one of the welterweights is injured on this card?
1: Um, no, there wasn't any
3: talk of switching us out, but I think the UFC kind of put us both there in case someone did get injured, you know, because I think Tarek, Safney, and Rafael those Anjos has had history of injury pull-outs and stuff, and so it's done up him to some degree, so. You know, I think they put us all there. In case someone did pull out, there's still an exciting, juicy matchup at Weltswood, they can fill in there. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm ready for Dungum Kim. That's my sole focus right now. I'm not really I'm not really worried about those dudes that are over the hill and Dos Anjos and uh, Terry Safadine, but uh, Dungum Kim, that's my full focus.
4: Now, speaking of guys at the top of 170, uh, your good friend and training partner, also a good friend of BJPenn.com, Jorge Masvidal took on number one contender Damian Mayo over the weekend in Dallas. Obvious, uh, obviously a hard-fought split decision loss. Judges gave it to Mayo. You know, he gave him the nod. What did you think of the fight?
3: I thought, I thought my boy Gamebred, uh, Jorge Masvidal, was way more effective, did a lot more damage. He wobbled and hurt Damian Maia at the end of the first round. I, you know, I thought he won the fight, you know, but he never gets the judges' calls, you know. That's been his whole career. The story of his whole career is, He's dominated guys are beating up guys in the fight aspect, but they won on points or won by judges' score, like against Quinta. I but you know, it, it is what it is. You know, we're, it's disappointing. You know, it's his time to get his title shot. We really wish that, that he was going to get that, but you know, he's still one fight away. He gets a guy like Stephen Thompson, he's right back there. But you know, you know, it is what it is. He's got to move on. The judges didn't pick him that night, but you know, I think Damian Mind who a better fighter was that night.
4: Yeah, I have no doubt he'll be back in the win column in no time. But, you know, seeing a good friend and training partner take a loss like that, how does that affect you personally? Is it just extra motivation to go out there and, and put on a great performance?
3: Yeah, definitely. It's a lot more motivation for me to put on a good performance, especially because he'll be in my corner for the fight. So, you know, I want to put on a real good performance for him. You know, I know his spirits are a little low right now because, you know, that wasn't how he, he had planned and envisioned things going, you know, but he made a couple little mistakes in the fight that I'm sure he's he's regretting. And, you know, this is a chance to put us right back up because, you know, we're a team. We're like a two-man team. We've been a two-man team since the beginning. So, you know, when one of us wins, we both win. When one of us loses, we both lose. So I'm going to get this team back on track. Easy money, baby.
4: <laughs> Hashtag easy money. And, uh, you know, please please convey our uh, our love and support of the guy. You know, I had sent him a text, and, uh, you know, I understand after a loss like that you don't really want to talk to the media, but everybody at BJPenn.com has got his back. Um, one of my good friends has been calling Damian Maya the Brazilian Backpack for a couple of years now. You know, mo- <laughs> most guys can't handle his grappling. Even fewer guys have been able to stop his submissions. However, you know, even with the loss, I feel like Jorge Jorge's stock has gone up with that fight. He was never really in any big danger. He was able to get get back to his feet multiple times, and and you know Maya has tapped guys like Carlos Condit in the first round. You know, I think Jorge showed the world that that, that he can hang with anyone. I'm wondering, you know, would you agree? And 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 your credentials as a grappler, what's the answer to stop a guy like Maya?
3: Um, you know, you gotta you gotta stop him with your hips right away, right? When he shoots those takedowns, you gotta you gotta meet him with your hips, and that's something that really high-level wrestlers have—is they beat him with their hips, and and if you don't beat him with your hips, you gotta you gotta stop him with your head and your hands. So, you know, that's that's something that high high-level wrestlers have, and, and George is a high-level wrestler, but. You know, he, he just got pushed up against the cage, and he got he gave up a couple takedowns up against the cage. And that's kind of where Damian Maya thrives. So, you know, a guy like Damian Maya, you got to really, you got to you got to be aware and alert at all times. And you can't let him shoot in, drive you to the cage, and, and also you can't let him shoot and then pull guard because a couple that he did do that in the second round where he pulled guard and and George went into his guard and he could have stood up and continued to beat him up on the feet, but he kind of made a little mental error and he went into his guard and then. And then Damian was able to be really slick from the half guard, and he was able to get back to his back and get on the back
4: position. Yeah, you know a lot of a lot of guys were talking about that that his key position is half guard and, and what he's able to do yeah. from half guard. Um, yeah, but he's really good there. you know, get, getting back to you and, and the fight with Dong Hyun Kim, uh, as far as rankings go, as I mentioned, you wanted a guy in the rankings that you could you know propel yourself up to the top. But you know he's number seven taking a, taking on a guy in yourself that's unranked. Assuming you beat him, what kind of position do you think you should take in the rankings?
3: Um, I think I should automatically get into the top ten. You know, at the very least ten. You know, that's just that would be the least. You know, if I go out there and finish him, I, I think I should be you know seven or eight. I think I should just take his spot. I've been on the cusp. I've been like number sixteen for a couple of years since I beat Mike Pau when he was in the rankings. And I think the UFC official. Report has me at like number 16, so you know I'm right on the edge a lot of these guys in the top 15 They've been ducking me for a while, so I should just be getting their spot by default But you know it is what it is when I go finish dunking up Kim. I, I better be in the top 10
4: I would agree uh, absolutely top 10 if not take his spot uh, but, yeah. but you know that being said a lot of guys are hesitant to take on a guy that isn't in the top 15 If they're a ranked fighter, you know for fear of, of losing that fight what it does to their own ranking I mean, at the very least, you kind of give the guy credit for, for taking on a fight, very dangerous guy in yourself, and, you know, considering that you're not ranked yet, that's a big risk for him.
3: Yeah, definitely. Uh, I, give him, I give him all the respect in, in, in the world that he was able to take this fight, but I don't think he really had a choice. I think the kind of UFC kind of pushed him into this. They want to see what I'm made of, and they want to see my worth, so I'm going to make sure I show them my worth.
4: All right, listen Kobe, you, as always you've been more than generous with your time. We greatly appreciate it. Just a couple more questions for you. Uh, what's the turnaround time for this fight? You know, barring any injuries, when would you like to compete again? Is there any card in particular that you'd like to be a part of and you plan on calling anybody out after this big win?
3: You know, I'm I'm an active fighter. I'm a real fighter. I like to fight as often as possible. The only reason I've been had held-ups in my career is because guys didn't want to fight me. I'm, I'm here ready to fight anyone, anywhere, anytime. So I'm looking to turn around within two months after this fight, and I'm looking for a big fight. You know, Robbie Lawler, Wonderboy, you know, someone, someone up there in the top five who's a big name who's going to get me to a title shot because I didn't come here to sit around and play in the rankings. I came here to get my belt. So I'm looking to turn around quick, and, and I'm looking for the biggest names possible. This is my time now, and I'm about to show that on June 17th.
4: So realistically, with the amount of time that'll be left in 2017, get in a couple more fights, I mean, could we potentially see you competing for the title in, in early 2018?
3: Yeah, I definitely think I'm going to be fine for the title by early 2018. Maybe even at the end of 2017 if things go right and, and I get the right fight according to my plan. But 2018 earliest, I've had dreams and, and visions that that was going to be my time frame to get a title shot. I'm gonna make that into reality real soon.
4: Now speaking of visions, tell us how you visualize this fight playing out. How do you see this victory unfolding for you?
3: I, I visualize myself knocking down Kim out. He's 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 underestimating me. He thinks I'm just a wrestler and you know, he's about to find out that I'm a complete fighter. I'm not just a wrestler. I've been here at American top team the last six years honing in my skills. And I feel like I'm the most war-rounded fighter on the planet right now. And he's, he's about to he's about to feel that when he wakes up from the canvas.
4: All right. Now, in conclusion, man, as the fight draws near, if you could say anything to him, what would you say to dung Hung Kim as, as this fight uh, is coming up in about a month?
3: I would say dung Hung Kim, I hope you're at your best you've ever been in your career. I want the best Dung-Hum Kim that you've had your whole career because I want everybody to know how dangerous and how, how great a fighter I am when I finish you on June
4: 17th alright there you have it Kobe we always appreciate the time certainly looking forward to the fight <clears throat> certainly looking forward to the fight and what the future has in store for you hopefully a great 2017 getting to that contendership spot as, as you mentioned there uh, before we let you go any shout outs you'd like to get in
3: uh, I want to shout out my sponsor My Lee Vietnamese restaurant in uh, St. Louis Missouri and then uh, shout out to American Top Team and my manager Dane Lambert I wouldn't be here without him and uh, my boy Gamebred, he's on the bounce back. He's going to get that title shot with it by the end of the year as well. So much love to everybody at America Top Team. And every, also, BJ Penn Radio, thanks for having me on. I appreciate you guys taking the time to share my story and, uh, you know, give me some questions. I appreciate it, guys.
4: Hey, man, always a pleasure. As I mentioned, looking forward to the fight on June 17th and uh, what the future has in store for you. Hopefully we catch up after the big win. And uh, best of luck uh, in Singapore, man.
3: Much love, Jason. I appreciate that,
4: man. I'll talk to you soon. You as well, brother. Have a good day. All right. Thank you, bro. Bye. That cool cat, Kobe Covington. Definitely enjoy speaking with that guy. Uh, I don't know if it's just something about American top team, but Kobe, Jorge, very easy guys to talk to. Uh, great promoters of themselves. Obviously, with all of uh, the guys winning, fighting for titles, guys ranked in the top 10, all that considered, so many of, uh, of those individuals are coming out of American Top Team, so got to give them a lot of props. Looking forward to this fight with Kim. I think uh, the future is bright for Colby. I think the future is bright for all three guests we had on tonight. Tough to argue. Been another great show. BJPenn.com radio. Each and every Wednesday, guys. 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Make sure you check us out on iTunes, Stitcher, all that stuff. Make sure you follow BJPenn.com. Twitter, Facebook com forward slash MMA news. We've got you covered guys. Everything that you need to know or should know in the sport, you love the mixed martial arts. It's going to be there, but you already know that shout out to the guys at combat club. They've been hooking us up with some, with some great guests. It's been awesome to work with those guys. And quite frankly, uh, the speed in which they work, it's pretty cool. Uh, most of the time when you, when you have to deal with PR guys and management and, and so forth, it's not exactly a, a pleasant experience, to say the least. But guys at Combat Club, very cool, very professional, and get back to you very quickly. So thanks to those guys. Thanks to Tom Taylor for setting up uh, the interview with Vulcan. Through the guys at Combat Club, thanks to James Vick, Volkan, and Kobe for all coming on the show tonight. We are the fighters' voice, the voice of the fans, and BJPenn.com is the largest independently and owned, oper- uh, independently owned and operated MMA news site out there today. The continued support is greatly appreciated. We love you guys. Till next week, I'm sure we'll have another great show, more great guests, and more awesome stuff to talk about. On behalf of the whole team, I'm Kinch signing off for yet another evening. Make sure you guys tune in next week. We'll see you then. BJPenn.com Radio. Peace out.
2: What the land that she can give defend the birthright to be free give our children liberty. I'm not going
1: I just got a scratch on my chest.
0: Your chest of drawers can't help you in a windstorm, but the GEICO Insurance Agency can help you get covered for personal property damage. Call GEICO to see how affordable homeowners insurance can be.